I am happy to announce that the winner is All About Eve. Parasite. Kramer versus Kramer. Chicago! West Side Show. The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. One flew over the cuckoo's Shakespeare in Love. May I have the envelope, please? It is March 27th, 1995. We are at the Shrine Auditorium in Los Angeles celebrating the films of 1994 at the 67th Annual Academy Awards. It's been a night uh, hosted by Mr. David Letterman, his very first time hosting our ceremony, and it is time for the big award of the night, the envelope, please. And the Oscar goes to... Forrest Gump, Wendy Finneman, Steve Tisch, and Steve Starkey, producer. Welcome back to another episode of The Envelope, please. This is the podcast where we are watching and discussing every Best Picture Oscar winner in chronological order. And we're your hosts. I'm Sam. I am Rance. Yes, you are. And we have David <laughs> Letterman hosting. I actually didn't know that. I didn't even read that little tidbit. I kind of... Had no idea who was hosting. That was kind of a fun surprise. Did he do well? Did you watch clips? Did he? Was he funny? Yeah, he was. He was funny. They um, they have him back again. So, you know, he did well enough to, to come back. Um, <laughs> he passed that the test. Means anything? You know, <laughs> um, it's always fun to watch these um, these monologues at the beginning. But there's always a few jokes that are timely that have to do with what's in the nose then. Uh-huh. You know, and they go they go over your head because you know if if you weren't paying attention in 1995, you're not you're just not going to know. Correct. <laughs> um, but anyway, but uh, he did he did well. He did well. Well, that's good. This is kind of a fun year, though. We have our first back to back winner since Jason Robards. Uh, he was supporting actor winner back to back. Tom Hanks does it in the leading actor category, and this is the first time we've had a lead actor back to back win since 1937 and 38 for Spencer Tracy. So this has been a long time, been a long time yeah, since I think we've had that. The long time we last time we had it in lead was was Catherine Hepburn, right? In yes, yep. The late 60s, uh, when with leading actress that is uh, when she guess who's coming to dinner and. Um, Line in winter, mm-hmm. back to back. Although hers was technically one and a half in a row, so <laughs> that's so true, so true. <laughs> but I kind of like that our two um, uh, consecutive Best Actor winners are Tom Hanks and Spencer mm-hmm. Tracy. Doesn't that just make sense to you? They do feel like they're um, kind of bookends in a way. Yeah, Although I think Tom Hanks for me is more of a Jimmy Stewart equivalent than he is. Yes, a I agree with Tracy that. equivalent. Um, Spencer Tracy is a little bit more of a actor, mm. you know, and I very think true. Tom Hanks is a morphable personality. Very true. Very, very true. Yeah, and I that feels that. like Jimmy Stewart, who can act. Both of them can are extremely good actors, but also there's always that little bit of Tom Hanks. There's always that little bit of Jimmy Stewart in anything they play, no matter Definitely. how much they disappear, you know. Couldn't agree. Couldn't agree more. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. Uh, what else happened this ceremony? Did anything else kind of happen? Any special <laughs> things go on? <laughs> um, 
<laughs> uh, did anything else? Your acting is did like um, I, I, no one said King of the World. No, no streakers <laughs> ran across the stage. Um, you know, this Not wasn't terribly memorable. Um, of course, there were some really popular movies that were nominated this year, which always drives up the ratings. And um, you know, I gotta, I gotta say, I, I think the movies of 1994 are kind of the star here. I so, agree with you. Um, I agree with you. You're right. You're right. This was a big year for some big movies. But I also think this is a big year for some big snubs, Rance. There's quite a few mm-hmm. names that were left off the ballot that I think we should talk about. Uh, this is a year that is is full of snubs, actually. Um, and uh, I do have... I, I, yeah, I had to... This is every week. It's like, what am I going to spotlight and what do I call a snub? Yeah. Because... Um, a lot of times they end up kind of intersecting for me, but um, I, uh, I I have several things to say. But I, you go, we'll go back and forth. You tell me what your first snub is. Okay, my biggest snub that I think is just is ridiculous that they did not get nominated. It's two people in the supporting actress category, both for Forrest Gump. Where the hell are Sally Field and Robin Wright? You're gonna have to figure that out for yourself. Bonkers. Bonkers, wild, and crazy. I don't know how they were left off the ballots, but they were. Maybe they kind of canceled each other out. Like, there were too many votes spread between them for the nomination that they were both pushed out and, you know, some of these other names were put on the ballot instead. I think that could have happened. Yeah, I mean, um, looking at the supporting actress category, Diane Weist wins again. I I don't mind Diane Weist having two Oscars. Nor do I. Um, absolutely love her. Um, uh, you know, it's a, it's an, it's a, got some big names in the category. You know, we got Uma Thurman here with her nomination for Pulp Fiction. Um, and, you know, Helen Mirren. Um, is this her first? This nomination? is her first. Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, so, you know, we got some, and Rosemary Harris is a great actress. Jennifer Tilly. I mean, this is a, you know, um, it, it's interesting. I, I don't know what I would take out. I, um, I, I though, uh, have other wonderments about the <laughs> about the supporting actress category okay, as yes, well. Please. Um, because this is where I would have loved to have seen. Um, you know, I know, I, you know these um, these. I, I don't know what you um, legacy nominations. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes like career happen. nomination, career nominations. But this would have been a really beautiful time to give Mary Wicks a supporting actress nomination for her performance in Little Women, playing Aunt May. Ah, um, that's a suggestion of mine. I actually think any number of actresses in that movie. Um, I absolutely, I, I think young Kirsten Dunst is amazing in Little Women. Um, she has the best delivery of uh, that line about her um, uh, her hair being her only virtue or something. Ah, yes. yes. Um, honestly, like, I could go on. I think this version of Little Women um, is actually my favorite. Um, we might circle back. Perhaps to controversial. <laughs> um, uh, it is certainly a very. I don't think anybody can disagree that it's a good version of Little Women. Um, and uh, it is also directed by a woman, who um, uh, Jillian Armstrong, who is a, a very s- solid filmmaker, 
with everything that she makes. And this would have been a really great time to maybe nominate her instead of Woody Allen. I don't know. Uh, um, I'm just throwing that I out don't there. Know. So, um, so uh, there's a few ways that I think Little Women could have worked its way into some more categories. Yeah, the supporting actress category is kind of a, uh, I shouldn't say strange, you're right, there's a lot of big names here and a lot of good performances, but I do find it odd that they chose to nominate two actresses for Bullets Over Broadway as opposed to the two actresses in Forrest Gump. That is, I'm just kind of struggling getting to that point, you know, I don't I don't see why we're not, like, how Mama and Jenny, who are now just like, you know, culture icons in pop culture these years, didn't get their due. I mean, um, Sally Field was left off of a lot of um, awards that year. But Robin Wright did make her case for quite a few of the precursor awards. So it's just very odd to me that she's she misses out on a nomination here and still has yet to collect an Oscar nomination. Very wild. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. Wild. Um, yeah, you know okay, I have another I, one here for you. Another do you know one for who you. I this think is... was snubbed from Forrest Gump, though? The, the biggest snub? Who? The Feather. Why was the feather not nominated for supporting actor or actress? I don't know. Well, listen, the feather kind of goes hand in hand with the movie score, and the score did win. So, you know, I think it's all relative. Okay. Um, <laughs> so what? what's another snub that you have? Okay. My other snub is in the leading actress category, and it's for my very dear Meryl Streep. I would have loved to have seen her here for The River Wild. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to throw The River Wild in your face. <laughs> what? <laughs> the River Wild is a good movie. I, I'm not saying it's good not. Movie. I'm just surprised that this She is... did all her own rowing in this. <laughs> she worked for that. Is this about how you've seen the dummy from The River Wild in the prop house at Universal before? True story. I forget about that, actually. And back when we actually used to be able to go into the prop house, it would it is scary. It's a really scary it's dummy. Whenever you walk upon it, it's weathered. Like, it doesn't Very look weathered. like it did 25 years ago. Yeah. It certainly does not. Yeah. Um, in all seriousness, I don't think The River Wild is by any means Meryl Streep's best work. Um, but it's like a fun, like, action thriller suspense movie that Different we just don't see Meryl making. Like before well, we're in that phase of then. her career. You know, she did Death Becomes Her. This mm-hmm. is a, a phase of her career where I think she's trying to be a little bit more commercial. Yeah, and more explorative, I think, too. Kind yeah. of trying out different genres and kind of seeing what sticks. And Spoiler, they all get stick. Away from, yeah, I know. Maybe she's also trying to get away from, uh, you know, she was deep into raising her children at this point. I think she mm-hmm. had all four of them by now. Um, and, you know, she probably wanted to stay away from the Sophie's choices for a little while, you yeah. know? <laughs> she just wanted to have a better mood, you know? <laughs> yeah. So uh, um, okay, give me another one of your snubs then. Um, also in the best actress category. Okay. Um, I would have loved. This is really quirky and the kind of thing that never gets a nomination. But I would have loved to have seen Kathleen Turner for Serial Mom. Wow, I have not <laughs> seen that movie, but okay. Let's give Serial you your case. Mom is a John Waters film. It's actually maybe, it weirdly, as weird as the plot is, it may be the most accessible of any John Waters movie. Um, it is uh, about Kathleen Turner trying to have this perfect nuclear family, and every time someone crosses someone in her family, she kills them. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> by, like, 
running them over with a car. Um, she, like, literally uh, murders someone for, like, wearing white shoes after Labor Day. It's, like, such a batshit crazy movie. And there's these, she, like, you. the first time you know that she's off is she cranks call people, crank calls people and says the filthiest things over the phone that you've ever heard in your entire life. Hello? Is this the cocksucker residence? God damn you, stop calling here. Isn't this 4215 pussy way? You bitch! Now let me check the zip code. 212, fuck you! And Kathleen Turner, it just commits Confirmed. to it in such a surreal way that it is it is worth watching. There's a gif out there, you should look for it, um, where someone pulls back uh, their clothes from the closet and then Kathleen Turner just standing there with um, with sewing needles <laughs> or like a, a scissors or something. Right. And she it just smiles and it's like crazy smile. Um, Jesus. She's... It, it's so campy and so wonderful, and it's the kind of performance you wish would get nominated. That's all. Well, listen, like, 80s Kathleen Turner is so different from 90s Kathleen Turner, which is even oh. more different than 2000s Kathleen Turner. What a career she has had. <laughs> I mean, and then the Kathleen Turner we get in uh, Kaminsky Method now. Um, yes, yeah, wow. It's it's. She's had quite the journey. She certainly has. Uh, I've got um, one more snub. I have one more. Okay. This is in Supporting Actor. Uh, it's for Shawshank Redemption. And I would have loved to have seen James Whitmore here. Hmm. He plays Brooks, the old man who doesn't make it to the end. Maybe I should get me a gun and rob the foodway so they'd send me home. I could shoot the manager while I was at it. Sort of like a, a bonus. I guess I'm too old for that sort of nonsense anymore. I think it's oh. a really sweet performance. Um, and it's usually one that I, I would think the Academy would go for it's a kind of like great yeah. small character role for a beloved veteran character actor um in one of the more popular and successful movies of the year so i think it, it kind of seemed like a shoe-in to me but he misses the list and i would have loved to have seen it but you know there's a lot of other ways and i mean we could get into this there's some other ways in which shawshank is not represented um director probably being the most obvious snub here um, that is it is kind of shocking. Um, so, uh, but we'll get to that. I, I, I we'll talk about that with best picture. I, I'll, I'll get more into my feelings. Yes, um, yes, yes. A couple other uh, quick ones here. Um, first of all, um, I don't know why we didn't honor her last performance, but man, Elizabeth Taylor in the Flintstones. No, I'm totally kidding. Um, <laughs> she's delightful. She's the best part of the movie, but, um, uh, but she, well, you're not wrong about that. That's for she sure. She also <laughs> looks the best. She, that's probably the best she looks in the nineties. I Correct. will say, um, she has the great wig, the red, she's hot in that movie. She's great. Um, it's, it's full. It's, she shot it probably the day after the white diamonds commercial. And anyway, um, <laughs> the same day she was like, I'm getting a hair and makeup once my friends, let's, let's keep <laughs> it rolling. But, um, uh, in all seriousness, um, I, I first of all would have liked to have seen more representation for Ed Wood. Um, I think Ed Wood is maybe in my opinion, uh, I, I think it may be, this I maybe this is controversial too. Mm-hmm. I, I don't it. know. Say it, say um, it, say it. But <laughs> I think it may be Tim Burton's best movie. Mm. Um 
and uh, I think it is such an interesting um, exploration of uh, particularly not only the Edward character, but I'm so glad Martin Landau. I, I'll get to him. Forget I said. I'll, I'll get to him in a second. Um, uh, but I think uh, the Bella Lugosi character. Um, it, it's it's like uh, it's it shot so beautifully on, on top of that the art direction was overlooked and and should have been in there the cinematography yeah, I was just looking was, I was like the cinematography yeah, should have been there the costume design like this <laughs> is uh, this is I think a very underrated Tim Burton film um I also um on a lighter note <laughs> um maybe this could have been a screenplay nomination uh maybe a supporting actor nomination for James Garner. I think that the 1994 Western comedy Maverick is one of the funniest films of the 1990s. Mm, I've never seen that movie. And it also is probably the hottest Jodie Foster ever looks as well. (laughs) She's beautiful in the movie and she's completely different than she is in any other film. So, um, love that. So, Mel Gibson aside, I really like Maverick. Okay, cool. All right, that's all. That's well, okay. all I got from my. Stuff. Let's transition into our spotlights then, because I do want to spotlight Shawshank Redemption, but mainly I want to spotlight Frank Darabont for this movie. Okay. Um, I want to correct myself too. I know when I was talking about James Whitmore, I did say Shawshank was one of the more popular and successful movies of 1994. It actually kind of wasn't. Right away, it was more of a box office failure that then grew in time and respect over the years. And now there's a consensus looking back on it that it is one of the best movies, not just of 1994, but of the entire 1990s. Um, So if you haven't seen Shawshank, guys, it is about the character of Andy, played by Tim Robbins, who is also kind of a snub, too. He's found guilty of the murder of his wife and her lover, and he's then sent to Shawshank State Penitentiary. There he befriends fellow inmate Red, played by Morgan Freeman, who is a prison smuggler and helps him with his dramatic escape. So I do want to specifically talk about Frank Darabont because I totally agree with you. He is missing from our direction list. Thank God they gave him a screenplay nomination at least because I do kind of think that's where he really shines. I was doing a lot of reading about the making of this movie and a lot of the look of it um just the composition of the shots how and how it all pieces together is kind of attributed to the cinematographer roger deakins who was nominated did not win so that's why i want to focus on darabont's screenplay because this is actually kind of a really sweet story that um his relationship with stephen king the author of the short story the movie is based off of the short story is called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. It's about 90, what, 95 pages? I think it's less than 100 pages. Very, very short story. Mm-hmm. And if you were to read that short story, it is so different from the movie, but in the best way possible. The whole short story is basically from Red's perspective as he's just uh, observing Andy in the Shawshank. And it kind of operates the whole entire time like that, kind of a meditation on this one guy watching this other guy make his way through prison, yada, yada, yada. So Frank Darabont's relationship with Stephen King actually dates back way even before this. He made a short film in the early 80s based on one of Stephen King's other short stories, and Stephen King sold him that short story for $1. He was actually very famous for doing that because he liked to give young directors 
good material to work with to kind of get their reels going and get their work seen by people. So he would sell off his short stories for directors he believed in. So because of that, Darabont was able to raise some money to purchase Rita Hayworth in The Shawshank Redemption. And when he went to buy it from Stephen King, Stephen King kind of was confused because he was like, this is one of my short stories that I just don't understand how it would work cinematically. I don't see how you can turn this especially into a feature-length film. And Frank Darabont was very, you know, confident that he could. So it took him about five years. He wrote the screenplay and it's, you know, what we have now. And I love this because it is now one of Stephen King's favorite film adaptations of his work. The other favorite of his being Stand By Me. Um, interestingly enough, directed by Rob Reiner, who was in charge of Castle Rock Entertainment, which was a production company that made Shawshank Redemption. Kind of a fun little right. f- full circle right there. But I love that. I love that, like, Frank Darabont obviously connects with Stephen King's work. And I think that's so important when you're adapting someone's, you know, literary work. Um, because the things that he changes, I think, are so crucial and important. You know, he expands on so many characters, kind of molds a bunch of the warden characters into just one um, sort of bad guy, one mean guy, you know, and it gives a lot more life and a full roundness to the entire screenplay. And what I think, what I think is the main reason why we now watch Shawshank Redemption with a different perspective is because the movie really is viewed kind of like what we would think of as a limited series now. There are very clear chapters in Shawshank Redemption. You know, it's almost like you're watching like a a television series. You know, we're in the considered the golden age of TV right now where limited series have become super popular with people. Mm -hmm. And I think that has, that plays a part into why people are rewatching Shawshank Redemption with a newfound fondness because it does kind of mirror what we're seeing in TV right now. It kind of was doing that way before, which another reason why I think it wasn't as popular with audiences back in 1994. They just didn't really quite take to this style and structure of filmmaking that we're so used to now. Um, And Shawshank is attributed to being one of the movies that really popularized um, video rentals. You know, it was more of a success in video rentals in the subsequent years of its release than it was when it actually premiered in movie theaters. People were renting this. They were watching it on TV. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you Powering miss it in the theater. It yeah, to, uh, exactly. For many, many years, I don't think it is, is anymore, but for many years, it was the number one user-rated film on IMDb. Exactly. And I think it's because, like... Almost like, you know, in the late 90s, early aughts, it was almost impossible not to see it. It was kind of everywhere. But it it is one of those movies where you can start this movie halfway in, a quarter of the way in, three quarters of the way in, and you are just drawn in and you just want to finish it. It is such a well-told story. And I think that's credit to Frank Darabont, who, in my opinion, even makes a better Stephen King adaptation in 1999, but we will get to the Green Mile in a couple of years. That's my piece. Uh, I love Shawshank Redemption. Oh no, was that controversial? Shawshank is still number one on IMDb, FYI. Go off! Um, Okay, I love that. um, No, 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 that was was beautiful. Um, I, uh, I, I, I think I'll have more to say about Shawshank whenever we get to the best picture uh, category, but Suffice to say, I I love Shawshank Redemption. Um, love that. Love that. Also, interestingly, it's the exact same length as Forrest Gump. 
Um, like down to the minute? Two mi- two hours and twenty two minutes. Oh wow, and that is kind of. Let crazy. me just double check that because I'm going off a of memory. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> I believe yeah, two twenty two is yeah. They're both two twenty two. Um, two hours and twenty two minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, uh, a few things here. Um, first of all, I already briefly mentioned this, and I'll just say it again. Martin Landau, one of the best character actors of all time in cinema. I probably would have nominated him back in 1959 for North by Northwest. He is uh, one of the treasures of cinema, in my opinion. And I love that so late in his career, he got this opportunity to play uh, an iconic um, actor in Bela Lugosi, but he emulated him so well. And he gives truly the performance of a lifetime. And it is, I believe, one of the most well-deserved supporting actor wins ever. It's not just a career Oscar. It's not an Art Carney situation. This is a person who um, who was respected and who deserved an Oscar for his career, but he got it for his best performance. And that's why I, I love this Oscar win. Um, that said... Uh, couple things here first of all um did not clock that many nominations i could very include the very easily include this in some snubs but i would love 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 to highlight the uh the win for uh best costume design for the adventures of priscilla queen of the desert which is um, a touchstone film of gay cinema. It's an Australian movie. It is basically what put um, Guy Pierce on the map, playing a very flamboyant gay character. Once again, we're at a point where you're not gonna in the '90s. You're not gonna expect to see actual gay men playing gay men. There are not gay stars out there. It was probably a big risk for Guy Pierce to even do that role, and it's kind of remarkable that after after he plays this part and he plays it so well, um, he is able to to get things um, like uh, like uh, L.A. Confidential and whatnot afterwards because you know of how prejudiced this period of time was, and he was he is not playing a Tom Hanks gay man; he is playing um, capital he's G. Playing a, He's playing a capital G <laughs> gay man. But the movie is very, very careful. Um, as many gay stereotypes as you might see in the film, none of the characters are actually stereotypes. They have incredible depth. And it could have been nominated for many, many things. I would love to have seen it in more categories. But the costume design, you know, um, the way that they the way they use costumes from the moment, the iconic moment where, um, they're on top of the bus, and there's the big flowy outfit with the cape. Um, the way that it is used, particularly with the way they match it to the super fun, you know, disco-tinged score, um, which has so many great pop songs. Um, the way that they they match those things together, the outrageousness of these drag costumes that come out, it is such a celebration and it's unbridled in its in its depiction of the gay drag lifestyle in a way that honestly as much as i love and i will talk about 
to Wong Fu next year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that I think Chu Wong Fu is is also an important film, but I think it's more of the family friendly version version of Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Like it's making the drag lifestyle more palpable. Whereas I think Priscilla gives us a more honest exploration of people. And part of the reason it succeeds is because of the costume design. So I celebrate that win. I also celebrate the win because we have to talk about this movie at some point. Um, (laughs) For the original song, Can You Feel the Love Tonight from The Lion King. Now let me tell you, Sam. In 1995, I... Uh, February 10th, 1995, I, um, I broke my leg in, uh, six places. I was, or five places. I was six years old. Damn. And, um, and so I had to go to, uh, the doctor a lot for a few months when I was in, I was in a cast for like six weeks and, uh, BT dub, they, they, I got to choose what pattern I had on that cast and I chose a rainbow. You... (laughs) Clock. Cannot Clock. Make Capital this G. Capital up. G. <laughs> <laughs> I love Cannot it. make that up. But um but uh we had a cassette tape of the Lion King soundtrack and I wanted to listen to Can You Feel the Love Tonight over and over and over again. And all the time on the Disney Channel they had these uh these little little docu short things they would play during the commercial breaks of uh, explaining, like, Elton John writing the music and stuff. And, you know, he's also nominated for Circle of Life and Akuna Matata. But let's just really emphasize here, this is the songs here and the Hans Zimmer score, which also won. Um, it's some of the best music ever written for a... Uh, ever written for a um, animated film or any film for that matter. These are songs that we are still humming today. And um, of course they became the basis of a very successful um, Broadway musical as well. And I, I dare you not to get chills when you hear any one of these melodies begin, because I think they have that, type of impact and it is because of this you know this is the first time too that that disney partners with a pops pop artist to create a score um i think this is the first time because they didn't use a pop artist for aladdin or or little mermaid or or Mm -hmm. beauty and the beast and uh, they do again whenever tarzan happens they were with phil collins (laughs) if you remember um (laughs) oh i did um cousin phil as i like to call him um <laughs> just same last name i don't think we're related um but uh the um but the the way elton john is a genius and the way that he captures the way he just writes every single song is a complete classic in every sense of the word and um and so good at character illustration and um it takes what is already a good story and good animation, beautiful animation and great vocal performances and enhances them to a point where um, we get what I would say might be along with beauty and the beast, the best Disney animated film. I love that you said that. Cause I want to ask you a question because beating the beast did receive a best picture nomination, 
do you think the Lion King deserved a Best Picture nomination? I would not have been upset about it. Um, I I don't know what goes is the thing. And I, you know, we've talked about other movies that I, that I also really like that could also be in this conversation too. I think Ed Wood is, should be in the Best Picture conversation in particular. But, um, you know, I mean... I guess maybe Quiz Show is the weak link here. Yeah, that's um, kind of what I was thinking. It's a good movie. Quiz Show is actually a really good movie. Very interesting, yeah, very fun. Maybe if we're just comparing Robert Redford's films and we're thinking yes. about, like, he his first movie was his... His directorial nice. debut is his best film. Crowning achievement. Um, I mean, it would be anybody's best film. But um, <laughs> but um, according to your list, it would be. Um, but, uh, but, you know, Four Weddings and a Funeral is a is a fun nomination because they don't usually nominate that kind of movie. I love and, and it's a great film a and you know, Shawshank has to be there. Pulp fiction needs to be there. Um, the, the one that I might take out is, is the, the winner one best is ah! the winner of best picture. So let's go ahead and get to it. Ah, okay. Let's get into the main event. <laughs> We're going to talk about Forrest Gump now. <laughs> I'm going to give the plot to Forrest Gump as though not everybody on the planet has seen this movie. Uh, It is a story of a man named Forrest Gump who is on the spectrum. And it basically just shows him navigating his life through some of the most important milestones in American history. Um, That's pretty much what it's about. This is a big hit. Big, big movie. Did big box at the box office. Got 13 total Oscar nominations, won six of them, including picture, director, screenplay, actor, huge award winner. Um, and it pretty much just steamrolled its entire way through awards season as well. Um, okay, so you've obviously seen this movie before. I don't think either of us <laughs> was watching this for the actually, first time. Actually, I had not seen it. I, I, I think I had seen it as a kid. I had not watched it as an adult. Is that so. right? Yes, I did listen wow. to the soundtrack a lot when I was a kid. Wowzers! Um, it's I, that that soundtrack is how I became such a big fan of the song "California Dreamin'." But um, so you're saying it's been decades since you've watched this movie? Wow. Okay, then what did you think watching it? You know, two decades removed. <laughs> I gotta tell ya, um, I'm I'm gonna be brutally honest here. You have to um, be. do it. Um, when they had a border who was Elvis Presley and he taught him how to swivel his hips with his situation. I rolled my eyes so far into the back of my head that it was about three scenes before I was able to see the screen again. How many times can one white man solve racism in one movie? Oh my God. But hold how on. offensive yes. is no, this film? Let's back up, let's back up, because here's kind of an important topic we should talk about. Does he solve racism? Because he sure as hell doesn't. <laughs> but and, but okay. the, movie, the movie wants to be like, oh, look, there's Forrest giving the first integrated um, class uh, mates at, um, at college, giving them, giving her her binder. He's the nice white guy making it okay. And then, like, oh, look, he's best friends with the black guy in the Vietnam War, and he's and he gives them money to his family so that they're not in poverty later. Mm-hmm. And 
he does things like that, and I'm just like, this is such a white man's conservative fantasy. <laughs> well, okay, that is actually bingo. Wow, cool, awesome. I, I did a little delving into um, the controversy of this movie, because this is another movie where, like, in retrospect, people have gone back and watched it and been kind of like, ooh, this isn't what it was in the 90s anymore. Uh, and one of them being is uh, one of the... I guess views now of the movie is that it is incredibly conservative, incredibly it is. in it is. because it is because it's shaming. It's very that, but the reason because is like Forrest Gump actually doesn't take a stance or take a side. They try to portray him as being you know quote unquote colorblind, whatever the hell that means. You know he's not helping the woman because she's black. She's helping her because she dropped her book. Forrest doesn't know the difference between, you know, black people going to school and white people going to school in the 1960s. He just sees yes. a woman dropping her book and picks it up, which now we know, like, there is so much That's wrong with works. that. You There's have not... to see color. You need to no. educate yourself you, on that. This is... You know? And no. the other problem is, too, that all of the characters that are fighting for change and advocating for um, progress in America are the ones that end up dying the character of jenny is the one who's actually going through I all the stages hate, robin wright does a great job i don't want to discount great any job. of the performances of the film and i think tom hanks is great i'm not upset about him winning best actor i i um i i just i can't the way that jenny is treated in this movie mm. just hurts my soul because mm. she um she is it, it, it is like a very conservative parent wrote that character to show like this you're gonna get aids if you're a bad person yes. you're gonna get aids if you do drugs you're gonna get aids if you're a slut yes. and that is that is such a problematic message that does not have any clear understanding of what aids was is and that it does not just choose promiscuous people i i really didn't didn't like that. Didn't no, like it feels it. like a plot device. It feels like a plot device. And that's kind of the... That is sort of the issue, is a lot of it is. It's all a plot device, it's, just to get forced into intending, scenes. None of it's necessarily intending to be offensive. I'm not saying mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. It's just, like, how many... And then there's other times where we're just, like, you know, uh, like, Bubba Gumps and, like, all this stupid stuff where we're just like working in these and that's how we got this you know mm. and it's just it gets to a point where it's like oh my god <laughs> correct no correct but even like the the producers and even tom hanks when they won their awards this evening at the oscars they they all made it a point to say on microphone how this movie is not supposed to be making a political message this movie is supposed mm. to be for everyone oh. and i think that in lies the problem when you try to you know pander to a wide 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 audience you end up making you end up saying nothing in your movie like what is forrest gump actually saying what is this movie's message i that, don't know you know what I mean? Life I don't think is like is a box of chocolates. You I don't mean, know like, what you're gonna get. <laughs> and like, I, you, you like, you know, you can talk about like the significance of the feather. Like he's blowing in the wind, and he just um, happens on things or whatever. But mm -hmm. or you can say it's like you don't know how one life will impact another. I mean, like there's there's things that you can try to draw out of it. I think my whole issue is just that, uh, you know. <laughs> 
Robert Zemeckis just peaked with Death Becomes Her, and then after that, you know, <laughs> um, no I'm kidding. But uh, it's a competently produced movie. It is a competently directed film and edited and acted. My issue is comes with screenplay, I think, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes down to it, and some of the decisions that are made. Um, and I can see, I can see why it played really well in 1994 because this is a a society that um, was trying to feel like, you know, like uh, I, these the baby boomers are in control, totally in control at this point. And uh, this is a movie made by boomers for boomers. You know, it is it it is loaded with serotonin for baby boomers with yes. the soundtrack, with the way it name checks things like Elvis Presley, like um, John Lennon, John Lennon. Oh my God! Presidents, imagine, multiple presidents. The imagine lyrics that are in the Dick Cavett interview. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. I can't. It makes okay, me so, so here's, angry. So here's the question, though, because I think there's a lot of people, the other side of the coin is uh-huh. a lot of people have watched it and continue to watch it and love that. They love that, like, oh, it's so fun seeing Forrest Gump in these very historic moments. Mm. And it's fun to see, oh, maybe all this did come from one guy that nobody paid attention to. Like, the idea of that, I think, is fun one and, like, uh, right, yes. But <laughs> I think saying. people think that that's fun and sort of creative. Like, it's a creative thing. Like, we're not supposed to take this seriously. This obviously isn't true history. Don't watch Forrest Gump uh, for a history lesson. It's movie, yes. it's entertainment. It's a little fluffy, and I think it is... So it goes out of its way to be fluffy. You know what I mean? <laughs> do you know what I think, what movie I think does what Forrest Gump's trying to do better? Mm, what? Big Fish. Mm. Big Fish doesn't try, isn't doing history lessons. But Big Fish, I think, is the kind of fantasy that Forrest mm. Gump isn't. Mm. And I think that it succeeds in delivering okay. a message in a yeah, well, way that's that... all about yeah. That is all about the magic of storytelling, right? Yes, and that's, and that's what that's I think Forrest Gump wants to be. Yes, but Forrest Gump is <laughs> like both trying to ground in reality, but throws in these things that are just like too, um, too too out there. For well, me it's to... like it is like an absurdist piece of artwork that is trying to be passed off as serious drama. Do you know? Yeah, yeah. And again, like it's it's you can't fault <laughs> a lot of the individual elements because it is a competently made movie. It is um it, it's not it's well acted and it's well directed and it's yes. um you know, it has a, a lot of good elements, but my god. <laughs> well, it's like I, by the end of the it movie, it does not I work of, for me. It doesn't. Well, by work the end of the me. movie, you're just kind of almost like screaming at the screen of being like, "Oh my god, just say something, give us some kind of viewpoint." Like, what does Forrest actually feel about the Vietnam War besides befriending, you know, but Bubba? <laughs> you know, that's that's the other thing. We, you know, Tom Hanks is able to add layers into his performance, but the yes, layers he, he adds, I don't think, are on the page. 
I think absolutely not. The no. only and... scene they give him is Ginny's grave, but mm. you know so everything. Sweet. Which is, I, I mean, like the the movie does. I think manufacture some moments that that work really well. I'm just, I don't think it comes. I don't think it comes together. Oh, also, let's uh, shout out to Haley Joel Osment for his for his <laughs> mark on Earth oh Cinema God, years before his mark so on cinema. Cute. Hello, Mr. Gump. He's so cute. It's ridiculous. I mean, he was an incredibly he was an incredibly cute kid. But we'll get to you, Haley. We sure 99. will. We sure, we sure will. Um, um, this is interesting because I was going to bring up all these points, but you did that for me, so I'm very glad that, well, that was you kind of had reaction. that approach. But, the, no, but like that's really good because you're having a very similar reaction to a lot of people going back and rewatching yeah. this with you know a more uh, contemporary mm-hmm. eye. I think it's easy to see why it played the way it did in the '90s. It is, it's a feel-good movie. As Very much, much as it's, so. as much as it has, I mean, it, you talk about the things that happen in it, and it shouldn't be a feel-good movie, but it is a feel-good movie. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I think it tries to make history too neat. It tries too, to make it, neat. you know. Very much so, and I think a similar Best Picture and winner. And then he too, I spoke think... at a Vietnam War protest. <laughs> I mean, like what? But also, kind of didn't. You know, like he didn't actually say anything. Like he's going to get it out, and then he never does. He sees Jenny, but that and makes the protesters again. look stupid, which misses the entire point of why they. And it's literally <laughs> Abby Hoffman right there. Like, come My on, God. I mean. <laughs> But they're making they're making that person look like the dumb one in the situation. Exactly, they're making them look ridiculous, and we're supposed yes. to think that like Forrest has this. I don't know, like a sixth sense almost. See what I did there? Mm. Uh, uh. <laughs> he may not, but his son might. There it is. Uh. Um, no, but there's. I think there's another um, Best Picture winner recently that has sort of had a similar trajectory. Now, of course, this one. It happened much quicker, but that movie's Green Book. I think a lot of people had a very similar reaction upon first watching Green Book, myself included, myself included. I loved Green Book when I first watched it. And then I started to talk to people about it and reading things about it, and I realized that I did not watch this correctly. There's something I was missing, and I had to educate myself, and I did. And I think Forrest Gump is having a very similar trajectory. It just took a lot longer for people to get there with Forrest Gump. And I think a big reason of that is Tom Hanks. We love Tom Hanks. We love Forrest Gump, the character, and I think we hold on to that so much that we don't want to criticize the movie too harshly. But yeah. it deserves and, criticism. And Tom Hanks is a great, is also a great person for all intents and purposes, you know. Um, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing him playing Colonel Tom Parker in the movie Elvis, which I hope will not include Forrest Gump teaching him how to (laughs) teaching him how to uh, although it's Baz Luhrmann so I don't know where it's gonna go but um but uh I yeah okay let's change directory here selling point Tell me about the things that work. So we know Tom Hanks obviously works. Tom Hanks works in everything. That's a given. What else in this movie works? Sally Field works. Yeah Sally Field works. Uh, Greg Kinnear is uh, fantastic. Fantastic, um, yes. Um, I and I think also, nomination. I also want to say, Greg Kinnear's Robin character, um, um, uh, Lieutenant Dan. Lieutenant Dan, ice cream. I honestly Damn. feel like he is the one who we should almost be following more. I feel like his storyline is far more interesting and grounded in reality than that of mm-hmm. Forrest's. 
and maybe yeah. that's because it seems like he's got opinions. <laughs> like, and he, he deals with PTSD, and yes. you know, I'm, it's 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 very interesting. Um, Same with Jenny, though. I think Jenny has a very interesting storyline. I do think you're absolutely correct. They do her dirty, very plot yeah. problematic. But at least we could have watched someone and attempting so to make a difference in the world. The way they they the way they treat her is so weird because I don't know if if they write the character in a way that we understand anything that she's doing. You know, it's more mm. like, well, we have to have somebody who's a hippie. We have to have somebody who, you know what I'm saying. Um, well, but, it represents uh, the, you know, the progressive side of the coin. She is that character. Yeah, you know, and who look goes what happens through the hippie to her. Movement. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying is progressives this is a more conservative get AIDS. movie than people that think. Is the, if there's a message in this movie, it's that progressives get, get AIDS. And that is And it's And literally it's like toe the line. And problematic. Yes. It's toe the line. Don't try to, you know, make too much of anything. It's, yeah, it's literally just telling you to <laughs> coast through life and look what can happen to you. You can become a billionaire like Forrest Gump. And I don't think, you know, like, I say that, I don't think anyone making this movie realized that that was the point they were putting out there. Definitely um, I think that they, I think that we are dealing with people who were um, uneducated when it came to the subject of HIV AIDS. It's We're also dealing with people at a time where women were treated very much differently than they are today. And, um... In particular, I, I think that there was a lot of inherent misogyny. Let's keep in mind here, 1994 is only two years removed from the 1992 presidential campaign where Hillary Clinton was sidelined for saying that she chose, when somebody asked her, why did you pursue your career? And she said, well, I, I decided to pursue my profession instead of staying home and baking cookies and having teas. And then she got railroaded for saying that and was basically sidelined for the rest of the campaign. Had to dye her hair blonde. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I think she had already dyed her hair blonde because of all this. But, but she started wearing her hair differently. She started wearing her outfit slightly differently. And all of it, all of it was because of the way that a career woman was perceived at this point in time. So this movie, whether it is conscious of the fact it's doing it or not, is very much presenting a backlash to a liberated woman. And mm. that, and the woman that is treated well and held up, played beautifully by Sally Field, is a woman who lives a more conservative, very um, traditional lifestyle, all while still having a black maid that a white man um, ends up helping at the end of the film. Correct. Correct. Yeah. All of that is, yeah, perfect sense. So here's the other controversial thing about Forrest Gump winning Best Picture. It beat out Shawshank Redemption and Pulp Fiction. Two movies... (laughs) Two movies that... You know, have gone into the lexicon of film and people regard incredibly highly, especially Pulp Fiction. A lot of people, you know, they would go back and they would give Pulp Fiction this Oscar and take it away from Forrest Gump. Um, so I'm curious. Let's let's get into the other nominees here a little bit. Let's talk about Pulp Fiction and Forrest Gump and maybe mm-hmm. the merits of these films over Forrest Gump or sort of how you see them in the lineup of a one, two, three best picture. Um, well, I think my one, two, three would be Shawshank, Pulp Fiction, 
space bar, 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 Lion King, Lion King 2, Lion King 1 and a half. Lion King 2, Simba's Pride. And then... I'll put it above the John Favreau, no offense, John Favreau remake of The Lion King. Yes, God. So what do you think of Pulp Fiction? Let's talk about Pulp Fiction first, because this is the one that everyone is like, it was robbed. Tell me about Pulp Fiction. Um, well, I mean, I prefer Shawshank, but um, mm. I think uh, Pulp Fiction's my second favorite Tarantino. Of these nominated ones? Oh, okay. Uh, Tarantino in general. Of Got gotcha. Tarantino. Um, I think my favorite is is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, which we'll talk about many years in the future. Jeez. Um, but, um, but Pulp Fiction is, is maybe, it's probably the most iconic of all of Quentin Tarantino's movies and there's there's so many moments and musical moments and uh Uma Thurman and and John Travolta I mean like the whole the whole thing is just uh it's 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 the definition of icon in in cinema in my opinion and I I think it would have been a perfectly worthy best picture winner I don't think it's very representative though of us in 1994 interestingly Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that I don't think I think that movie is darker than where the country was in 1994, and that's one of the reasons why I think Shawshank makes more sense because it is a really well-told story. Um, also deals with racial issues in a much more uh, respectful manner, in my opinion, um, but. Uh, I I think it has the optimism, but not in a false way, that was indicative of where I I think the country was in 1994. Mm. Yeah, I see that. I see that. Um, I, okay, I understand that I am in the minority here, where I don't really care for Pulp Fiction. It is, mm. it is I'm probably in the bottom of my list of Tarantino films. We know your favorite Uma Thurman's Batman and Robin. We know. <laughs> <laughs> no, my problem with Pulp Fiction is there's a really good story in Pulp Fiction, and then there's yes. a lot of excess that I uh-huh. don't care for. Uh-huh. I Everything John Travolta, Samuel okay. L., Uma Thurman, um, love it. That's a great storyline. But, you know, this is several storylines okay. all interweaving, and it all comes in at the end. So I understand how you have to have all of them to actually have that amazing moment in the end. I get it. But I don't care about it. Mm. <laughs> I could do with a lot less of Pulp Fiction. That's just my that's preference. My um, preference. I don't completely agree, but I understand. And that's why mm-hmm. I, I think that Shawshank is the compromise here. I think it is the movie that everybody can agree on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it is... Uh, I, I don't think very many people dislike Shawshank. Redemption. I don't think so either. I think you're absolutely yeah. correct. I think in terms of popularity... Shawshank is for sure up there. And, you know, people always say the Oscars are a huge popularity contest, you know. So in retrospect, for looking at this, well, I mean, Shawshank Gump deserves to be was, there. I mean, yes, Forrest Gump was, was most, most popular in 1984. <laughs> I don't think in the time since then. Correct, you know. yes. Um, it was Correct, riding yes. a wave. It was riding a wave then. And it, it's been looked at since then. You know, we're we're going to have, we're not done being problematic. <laughs> <laughs> We have no, so many not. more. So Wait, many you mean more. the Oscars are still problematic? No way. <laughs> I oh my god, Sam, we have so many more to talk about and and we have to be so careful because uh these people are all alive. 
<laughs> yes, that is very true. But okay, here's something. I we can't talk about said. it. We talked about Hamlet. Oh, um, God. I want to go back to something you said, though, where, you know, the producers and directors and everybody involved in Forrest Gump was obviously not setting out to make the movie, make that kind of a movie. I think they all had very good intentions, but that is exactly what the filmmaker said about Green Book as well. Of course you have good intentions going into it, you know? And I think it is very difficult to foresee how your movie is going to be perceived let alone, you know, a couple of months from when you finish it, let alone decades later. It is very hard to know how the times are going to change and yada, 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 you know? So well, I think also, we need to give the credit. Way that, the way yeah, that our ahead. implicit bias is, it permeates our work, is something that I don't think we can really, no matter, our experiences are going to inform what we make, you know? And so whether intentional or not, um, if we come from a privileged background, particularly if we come from a privileged background that we haven't acknowledged, we are that is going to show in the work we make. And absolutely, that's been a lot of what the conversation of the last few years has been about in representation in cinema and how you have to get other perspectives because we have had our perspective on race in particular on women's issues um on lgbtq issues has been from a perspective that is not those people and so what forrest gump's biggest fault is is that it tackles issues that deal with particularly race and women's issues um, that, and it does it from a perspective of a white man. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about Forrest. I'm talking about the filmmakers and they yes. can't take themselves out of that. Definitely. I think what we're realizing here too, is a lot of our best picture winners, most of them, in fact, are, v- are movies that don't necessarily challenge the audience. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because a lot of people go to the movies just to watch something that's going to put a smile on their face. Do you know what I mean? As I said earlier, fluffy. Okay. Forrest yeah. Gump is kind of the king of fluffiness. It's not challenging you on anything. It's just asking you to sit back, enjoy, feel a little nostalgic for the 60s and the 70s for a little while, and leave smiling. And maybe a little tear because one of your favorite characters passed away. You know what I mean? It's hitting all the beats, but not asking you, not asking anything of you. But, you know, there are some really great movies that do ask you a question and are also were also very successful. Very true. You know, it's not impossible. Yes. Um, I, I would say that a movie that I love that is has a remake coming out uh, the week that this airs, um, West Side Story, mm. is a very popular musical it's very it was a popular original film i'm sure the remake will do very very well as well people love the music but that story um again originally told from white men's perspective and i think the team is more inclusive this time around so it'll be interesting to see how that comes off um i'm sure that there will be more authenticity to the proceedings um and that's something that's necessary in 2021 the the ask though at the end of that story has always been to look at your own racism and mm-hmm. see how that's affecting the world mm-hmm. and 
that movie, that musical, and I'm sure the movie that's about to be released have continued to be very, very popular. It is not impossible to make a story that asks something of you and it makes lots of money. I think that, um, you know, I think that maybe there was a point in time where we were more willing to ask questions of ourselves. I think the 70s and the movies that were popular in the 70s really showcase that there was a time where thinking could get you box office. You're right. Yeah. It does ebb and flow. You're absolutely correct. I, okay, you're right. I want to kind of retract my statement. I think there are ebbs and flows to when audiences yeah. are ready to be challenged and when they're not. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. all the underlying factors you discuss with where we are at in the world here politically, yada yada, I think audiences just wanted to escape this year. And yeah. Forrest Gump is the ultimate escape movie. But Shawshank was better. <laughs> okay, so sure. Of the five nominated movies... Your best yes. picture winner is Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank Redemption. Mine yeah. is two. That is my favorite of 1994 as well. I would have loved to have seen that snag best picture Wouldn't that and director beautiful? and screenplay and lead actor. Yada, yada, yada. My God. Oh, my gosh. Morgan Freeman. <laughs> He's um, so good in Shawshank. He's so good. And it's, uh, I don't mind Tom Hanks having two Oscars, but I no, would have liked one of Morgan Freeman's to be for Shawshank. Well, listen, my – okay, if – Okay, I absolutely agree. Tom Hanks deserves two Oscars. Does he just have one? I'm forgetting. How many is how many? Morgan Freeman has. He's one. one The supporting actor, Million Dollar Baby. He just has Driving Miss Daisy. No, Million Dollar Baby. Oh my god, Million Dollar. Yes, yes. He was nominated for. He was erroneously. uh, He was nominated for Driving Miss Daisy. He did not win for Driving Miss Daisy. He should. Yeah, yeah. Man, the fact that he doesn't have an Oscar in 1995 really makes me wish that he had won for this. Correct, so but good. here's the thing, too, is I think Tom Hanks' second Oscar should have come later. I Cast think away. it's for a movie he was not nominated for. Oh. We'll get into it in a little bit. <laughs> Stay tuned for I that in the following episode. I will give you a preview as well. I okay, think okay. Tom Hanks was robbed of a nomination in a different category for a movie that's released in a couple years. Ooh, I love where this is going. Ooh, okay, cool. Yes. So okay. pay attention to our snubs in the upcoming episodes <laughs> to figure out where we think Tom Hanks should have gotten his second statue. Uh, oh, wait, speaking uh, of coming up, what are we talking about next week? <laughs> We're going to talk about the 1995 Best Picture winner, Braveheart. Let's Brands, just... have you seen Braveheart? This will be my first time seeing Braveheart. I <laughs> have not never surprised. wanted to watch it. I've never <laughs> wanted to watch it ever in my life. And I am not looking forward to it. And uh, speaking of problematic, we have to talk about <laughs> maybe the most problematic movie star of the 1990s. Oh, God. So, the Grand Daddy. That's right. We we gave Mel Gibson a I couple of Oscars. Think, I do not think this is going to be as good as Maverick. And that's... <laughs> that's my... <laughs> That's, That's your hot take. Say. Listen, I've I, seen I feel Braveheart like it's before be violent too. And yes, it is. <laughs> and long, yes. long. It is long. It is long. Yes, it is. Uh, this is going to be an interesting. This is going to be an interesting one. Yes. Um, yeah. My best picture win of 1995 is so not Braveheart, and I know it's definitely <laughs> not yours either. So we're gonna have a lot. You're to saying talk that before about. I even saw it. Oh my god. Oh, I already know. <laughs> Don't worry. I've got your taste. Is I know what babe? your taste is. Is it babe? <laughs> <laughs> Wow, 95 is quite the year. This is going to be interesting. Oh, um, my God. I know what yours is. It wasn't nominated. 
Correct. Okay, <laughs> we're getting there. <laughs> now you know. Now you see what I see. There we go. There we go. Uh, this is going to be so fun. All right, guys, join us next week. We'll talk about 1995 and the Best Picture winner, Braveheart. Braveheart.